What is up, you beautiful human? Hello, and welcome back to the Raw, Real, and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. I don't want to be one of those people, but I'm just going to put it into the space that it's the fucking end of January. So if you have not had a fire blown up your asshole yet to make this your best year ever, it is the end of fucking January. Let this be your like, oh my God, we're already one month into 2024 reminder that it's fucking time. Today's episode, you know how much I am so in love with the conversation around relationships and really supporting women to show up powerfully in the face of relationship. I know that so many of you have been a part of even my own relationship journey and the Jake journey and the breakup and the attempting to get back together and then the going back to Bali. I know that you know all of it. And for me, something that was really true in this entire experience is the confusion with so much fucking information available online that we can almost become like these information absorbent gremlins where we're like information here, information here, information here. And then we can end up in such a deep state of confusion, which will allow us to allow ourselves to disconnect from our truest truth and our own intuition. Even the conversation around rom-coms have impacted how we view love and relationships. The Disney movies as little girls has impacted how we view love and relationships. And then is healthy love not meant to be expansive love and it's not meant to be sexually activating love and healthy love should be this kind of love. And if you're with a partner that's good for you, you won't feel triggered and you won't feel anxious. And there is just so much shit online that it can almost get to the point where we're like, What the fuck do I even think or feel when it comes to relationship anymore? But my truth is I would love a healthy relationship with incredibly pleasurable sex where we can create a vision and a future together. And I know so many of you are resonating with this right now. So I'm bringing on relationship experts who are so renowned in their field to really support all of us because we're in this together. We desire something that's very similar. We desire to open our heart to love to give love and to receive love, to be loved fully for who we are, to allow ourselves to love someone fully for who he or she is. And I feel these podcast episodes are really going to support you to understand yourself so much deeper and hear yourself in the questions that I ask and know that in this experience, you are not the only woman navigating what you're going through. You are not alone. You are not abnormal. There is nothing wrong with you. Your insecurities are completely normal. Your relationship attachment style is completely normal. And my deepest desire through this podcast is that I provide you with so many different resources and mentors to support you to navigate your way through your own personal journey with so much more grace, ease, self-compassion, and understanding. So today I bring on Michelle Panning. She is an absolute fucking powerhouse. I love listening to her speak. We dive into all things anxious attachment style, avoidant attachment style, healthy attachment styles, whether we should be experiencing incredible sex in the face of healthy attachments, why sometimes we stay in unhealthy attachments for the mind-blowing sex. And even though this is not a herpes conversation at all, for my herpes community, Michelle Panning also tests positive for the herpes virus. And at the very end, we dive into a few little pieces of the herpes puzzle that I feel will support you to create even more acceptance of self in the face of your own personal herpes journey. If you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag both myself and Michelle because we both would bloody love to connect with you. Strap yourself in. This is one hell of an episode. Let's fucking go. 
I am sitting here with the beautiful Michelle Panning. We have absolutely navigated some really wild internet discrepancies, which is crazy for 2024, but we're doing it because we're committed to it. We're committed to this conversation. We're committed to relationships and we're committed to women showing up in really powerful ways in the face of relationship. Michelle Panning, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Thank you so much for having me. Even like the entire title, Raw, Real, Vulnerable is everything that I stand for. So I'm just very excited for this conversation. I'm so looking forward to it. I know that you've been tagged in lots of posts that I've put up around relationships and lots of women that I really love and respect, loving and respecting you. So I'm just so looking forward to bringing this conversation to women. So to give women some understanding around who you are, who is Michelle Panning and what is it that you do in the world? Well, I'm a motherfucking legend to start with. Um, (laughs) I'm a mindset and embodiment mentor for women, essentially, like, I always get stumped on a title because I'm like, how do you just wrap up everything that I do into like a little Instagram bio? You know what I mean? But essentially, I utilize shadow work and embodiment and mindset work to help women come into secure attachment and really live the life of their fucking dreams. Like, I have a podcast called Unfuck Your Relationships, and it's essentially like, let's unfuck your relationships with love, sex, relationships, money, business, all the things. And as much as I'm so passionate about business and money and wealth and all the things, like I love that and I love those conversations. Talking about anxious attachment is one of my favorite things on the planet. Because I just, I know it so well. Like I know what it feels like to be there. And I've helped hundreds and hundreds of women shift into secure attachment. So this is like one of my favorite conversations. Mm. Is that what created the passion for relationships within you? Not living from a place of security and going through so much dysregulation in the face of relationship and every other aspect of life that created this intense desire for you to support women to heal through this? A hundred percent. Like six years ago, I didn't even know what a coach was. I didn't know that this was an industry. I just got broken up with yet again and had a realization. Like seriously, I had never contemplated this before. I was like, is it possible that I am contributing to the demise of my relationships? Like, is it possible that I am part of the problem? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then like, I went to therapy and and she gave me the book Attached by Amir Levine. Mm -hmm. And I read that and I was like, wait, I'm not a psychopath. Like there's an actual name for this. And I was like, oh my God, I have anxious attachment and, you know, further discovery. I was kind of like, actually, I think I'm more anxious avoidant. I had just Mm -hmm. never actually been with anyone anxious to even experience my own avoidance. So I had only experienced my anxious side. And I started doing that and I started a sexual healing journey. I came out about like herpes. I have herpes as well, all that. And yeah, that really kicked off this journey of like, fuck, I really want to support women with this because Lord knows I needed some help. Yeah. And it's such a deep pain for so many of us, I feel. And there can be so much shame for women around how we experience relationships, whether we're in relationship and we're incredibly anxious, whether we're outside of relationship and kind of got our blinkers on trying to search for our perfect partner. There can be a lot of embarrassment and humiliation. That's why I really wanted to get you on the show. So many women have reflected back to me. They're just embarrassed for their experience, no matter what it is where they're in relationship and anxious outside a relationship and wondering where the fuck he is. They're just really wanting this love 
And yet, why do you feel there's so much embarrassment and humiliation attached to desiring love? I think, you know, we've come into this. So in in the 1950s, right, and prior to, it was always like women are sweet and polite and gentle and soft and, and all of the things like the 50s housewife, right? And then we had that wave of feminism, right, coming into the 60s. And it was like liberation and and we can work and all of these things. And so then the archetype of the strong, independent woman was really birthed, which like, you know, amazing, great. I love voting and having a career. That's great. (laughs) Love having (laughs) money. Fuck you, Dad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think there's been almost this pendulum swing to the other side where it's almost, like you said, like this embarrassment around wanting love. And also in the personal development industry, there's so much emphasis on you don't need anybody outside of yourself and it's just you and like you should be able to meet all of your needs yourself, which I think you know, for someone who is anxious, yes, absolutely. Like you need to strengthen the part of you that can meet your own needs. Cause an anxious person is looking always outside of themselves for other people to meet their needs and always looking for like, am I lovable? Am I enough? Can you validate me? Can you reassure me? But outside of that, like As humans, we need connection. We need love. We need safety. We need belonging. We are meant to be in community with each other. So it's nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, I work with a lot of women who make a lot of money and they're successful and all the things. And it's like, fuck, like, I don't want to admit this, but I actually really want a relationship as well. I'm like, fuck yeah, you do. Like you get to have it all, right? And yeah, I just truly believe that. And I was one of those people that thought it was embarrassing to want love. Like that was a weakness on my part somehow. And I just really had to dissolve that story because it's bullshit. Yeah, I really resonate with that so much because as I turned 35 this past year, this readiness for committed partnership landed in my space and I'd just gone through a breakup and even my ex-partner was like I'm glad you're fucking finally ready to admit that you're ready for a relationship now just as our relationship ended and it was such an interesting experience for me to claim that desire and say I'm ready and this is something that I desire not from like I want it it's outside of me but just this like landing in my body but then I also reflected there were so many past versions of me when I heard a woman say I want a boyfriend I was like oh you're so fucking desperate like I wouldn't say it out loud, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, who wants a boyfriend? As if like boyfriends are hard to go and get. And there was this real judgment inside of me around any woman that wanted that. So it was such an interesting experience for me to have this readiness land. And then in my groups, women will come and they'll say, I want more confidence. I want more acceptance. I want more expression. I'm like, for the purpose of what? And once we keep peeling back question after question after question after question, we get right to the bottom of it. Most women will say that they desire a relationship. Mm-hmm. every single time. And that's what I was going to say, that there's a purity, right, in what you're sharing, that it landed in your body of that longing for a relationship. And it feels pure. It feels true. It feels grounded. But so many women have experienced that very chaotic, dysregulated neediness and desperation where it's like, I cannot be alone. I have to be with someone. And so then there's such a fear of going back to that place, or you have a friend who's like that, or your parent was like that, just that kind of needy, desperate energy. And so then there's such a repulsion against that 
that there's a pendulum swing to the other side where it's like, no, no, I don't want a boyfriend. Who needs a boyfriend? I'm so full within myself and like I'm fulfilled in my own life, you know, and it's an overexpression of the independence. And so it's really finding that equilibrium where you know you're fine on your own. You know that you're happy and whole and complete within yourself. And you also have a desire and a longing for committed partnership, which is beautiful. If any woman was listening right now, I'm resonating with this to a degree and she almost experienced a bit of confusion around, is my desire coming from your words, purity or groundedness? Is it coming from desperation or a fear of being alone? Is it a desire? Is it a want? Is it a band-aid? How would she know how to discern between what was true and what was coming from wounding? This is like the age-old question, right? Which I get asked all the time. Is it fear or is it intuition? Is it trauma or is it truth? Like, what is it? And for me, the way that I've deciphered this in my own body is when there's a real sense of urgency, Mm -hmm. that feels unclean. Like there's Mm -hmm. some sort of ickiness going on there. There's some shadowy shit playing out when it's like you almost feel this compulsion, right? So it's like you're sitting there and and you're having a moment of silence, like I need to connect with someone. And you'll see it play out even outside of romantic relationships. It's like you have a piece of awareness or something happens or something tricky happens in your life and you immediately want to go share it with a friend. It's like you Mm -hmm. can't hold it within yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Or I just have to tell someone. I just have to connect with someone. Or I need something to distract myself. And so just seeing these moments of urgency, these moments Mm -hmm. of almost panic, and Mm -hmm. that's how I would describe it. And it feels flighty. That's how Mm -hmm. I would describe it in my own body. It feels very like in my head, buzzy, anxious, (gasps) like that kind of energy. Whereas very similar to you, I had an experience in the past of being like, I'm ready for a relationship. And then a guy would come and I'd be like, never mind. (laughs) Like, I'm not ready. (laughs) Bye. And then it really landed of like, okay, I'm actually ready for a relationship. And it felt grounded. It felt calm. It felt like, I'm willing to do the work required. I'm willing to do the shadow work. I'm willing to do the embodiment. I'm willing to get in the mindset of someone who can be in a conscious relationship. And I'm willing to let the time play out. Like, I'm not waiting for like, oh, this guy's going to be my husband. When you're dating, this is the other way to tell, right? And you're looking at every guy like, this could be my potential husband. That Mm -hmm. is a bit of a red flag for you. Like, it can just be... Hey, alarm bells. It's like, it can just be, oh, I'm very curious about this person. And you're just getting to know someone and then you allow them to reveal themselves versus like, he's not the one. I know it. I'm like, you met him for 45 fucking minutes. How do you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. I love all of this. Now you're a shadow work expert. So just as we explore this conversation more for any woman listening who is like, I really desire a relationship. I have no fucking idea. Michelle, what shadow work is and why I would do shadow work. So I have a more empowered experience of relationship and myself in the face of relationship. Why 
are you such a shadow work expert in the field of relationships and why is it important? This is so good. So the way that I describe shadow work is diving into our subconscious through traits, characteristics, behaviors, patterns, triggers, all of these things and restoring wholeness within ourselves. So what happens is when we are little kids, we are always looking for love, safety and belonging. So what we're doing unconsciously is looking for what parts of myself are approved of, what parts of myself are not approved of, what parts of myself are being judged, what am I being shamed for, all of the things. And so all of those things you will cast into the shadows, right? Or maybe it's not even about you. For instance, I had a real thing around like needing to be perfect. And this only really came out as an adult which is interesting. Mm. I was like, what is this thing around never wanting to be wrong? Like I could, I just couldn't make a mistake. And I was like, my parents never were, you know, adamant about me getting good grades. They never like were on my ass about that. I actually didn't have a lot of discipline, but I recognized my dad used to judge other people and say like, oh, you're a fucking idiot right? What a moron, all of those things. So I was taking what he was doing and he would say that about himself as well. When he would make a mistake, like, I'm so dumb or I'm such an idiot. So then of course I internalize that as I do not want to be an idiot. That is the worst thing that you could possibly call me. So what do you think happened? I became obsessed with knowledge, obsessed with being seen as an intellectual, obsessed with being smart right? And so in relationships, I had to be the smart one. Mm -hmm. I had to be the one who was doing the work. I had to be more emotionally intelligent. And this was the biggest fucking wake up call. And this was only like 2021 when I had this realization. I thought I was like, the queen. I was teaching all this stuff, embodiment, not necessarily shadow work. I didn't really realize it was shadow work. And I was like, why do I keep attracting emotionally unavailable men? Like, what is it? Like, I'm so emotionally available. And then I realized, no, I'm not. I'm not emotionally available at all. And the reason I keep attracting these emotionally unavailable men is because I need to feel a sense of superiority in my relationships to feel safe. I need to be the conscious one. I need to be the emotionally intelligent one. I need to be the smart one. And so when I actually met a conscious man, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> Like now all my stuff is coming up. So shadow work is essentially the reclaiming of parts of yourself. And so when we disown, reject, shame, aren't aware of certain parts of ourselves, we will project it onto other people so that we get mm. to experience that part of ourselves through another. And then will we judge it as we're witnessing it? Like, oh, I hate this. Or will we love it? If I project it onto you, what is typically my experience after I do that? When we're projecting, essentially what's coming up is we're meeting a part of ourselves. And this isn't only just like, quote unquote, negative traits. This is also our positive traits as well, oh, wow. which is why yeah. we will like look at certain people and pedestal them right? Oh my God, she's so powerful. She's so sensual. She's so confident. All the things that your clients are saying to you, right? Oh my gosh, I wish I could have that. They're getting to meet that part of themselves 
through you so they don't have to experience it. What happens when we project is we're meeting a part of ourselves or being confronted with a part of ourselves and it's building tension within our bodies. And so when we build tension, what do we do? We look for some way to relieve ourselves of tension, to soothe our ego because we're being met with a part of ourselves that we have disowned for one reason or another. So we project that onto another person and judge them or shame them or put them down or create some story to create distance between us and that part. So if we're going to look at projecting, he's out of my league because he's so confident within himself, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, well, you are disowning your own confidence. So you're creating a separation by pedestaling him and then therefore making yourself inferior so that you don't have to meet that part of yourself versus actually leaning into the relationship. And then you get to meet that part of yourself and actually reclaim it for yourself. Mm, oh my God, love that so much. That must be such a courageous choice to want to lean into. I'm assuming it's a massive fear that's arising. He's so confident. I could never be as confident as he is. I'm going to tap out and find maybe a man that's lesser in confidence so that I again feel superior. How would she lean into that fear rather than tap out and avoid? And then they would meet someone who they feel superior to and then complain that they're not meeting them at their level. And like all the, and the cycle will continue and it is me. <laughs> I am the problem. Yes, exactly. Like you're always gaining something from whatever situation you're in. You're always fucking getting something when you're in a pattern. So how do you lean in? This is where I see people go really wrong in shadow work because they make it this 17 step process that we're going to sit in our journal and I'm going to talk about what happened to me when I was five to create this thing and where is this coming? It doesn't matter. Like you can do the trauma work. Absolutely. If that's what you need, you can do that. But for me, my motto is clock it, own it, clean it up. So when I'm noticing I have pedestaled this person. I'm going to clock that I've done it. So I'm going to see, oh, I've pedestaled this person without shaming myself for that, Mm. without judging myself for that, without going, oh, fucking hell, I've done it again. I always do this. I always repeat this pattern. That's going to stop your shadow work immediately Mm. because you've immediately just gone into your ego. You're not Mm. actually in your authentic self. So I'm just going to clock it with neutrality. I'm going to own it. Okay, cool. What part am I not owning in myself? What's here for me? What's my lesson? What is this person reflecting? This situation, this event, whatever. What is this reflecting to me? And I'm going to clean it up. And so when I mean clean it up, I mean, I'm going to then just lean in. And people are like, but how do I do that? You just do it. You just have courage. You just be brave and you just do it. You looking for the, but how is a distraction from just doing the fucking thing. It's a very clever tactic from our ego because it's like, it will just stay in the self-obsession. Let me look for deeper ways of what's playing out or, but how, how do I do this? What exactly do I say? It's just a distraction from actually doing the thing. You know exactly how to lean in. You just be vulnerable. You just be brave. And you say, hi, And you have a conversation and you be willing to risk judgment or whatever and trust yourself that you can hold it. Yes. So if a woman was listening to this 
How does she know then that this is a lean in opportunity and the tap out is avoidance versus the tap out actually being an authentic no and she's actually not into this person and the reflection is just misalignment? How does she discern between the two of them? Because I feel this confusion around like, is it healthy love? Is it a reflection of my wounds? Is it a trigger? Do I really not like him? Is it fear? Is it intuition? Like, help us, Michelle. How do we know the difference between all of that? Yeah, that's a really great question. And what I see a lot is that someone who falls more anxious tends to overstay in relationships and someone who Mm. falls more avoidant tends to leave prematurely. That's just Mm. kind of a blanket statement. That's not always true. But if you tend to find faults in every single person who comes into your life, like that might be a bit of a red flag. And When you're learning this, it is a bit of an experiential journey where sometimes you just notice you're like, oh, I ran and that was fear. And sometimes you might be like, oh, I stayed out of fear. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And it's that clock it, own it, clean it up again, right? And going back to the urgency, when you're like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, no, I'm just feeling like it's not aligned. Is there a charge behind that? Does it feel like you're getting a bit defensive? Does it feel like when someone's like, oh, but I think you guys would be a really good fit. Does it, no, you like you haven't met him. It's mm-hmm. just not a good fit. Like I just, I, I just know this isn't it. He doesn't have my 900 non-negotiables. <laughs> He's missing two of them. So it's a no. He's not you know? so when- nine with chiseled 12 pack and a billion dollars. I remember having a conversation with a client a few years ago and she was like, one of my non-negotiables is that he's over six foot. And I was like, okay, and how tall are you? She's like, I'm five foot one. I was like, bitch, that does not get to be a non-negotiable. Like, no, (laughs) you're shooting yourself in the foot. My sister is a foot taller than me and her standard is like six foot five. I'm like, you are the shortest woman I know. The shortest. (laughs) We can negotiate on his height for you. I love what you said, Michelle, about the anxious overstaying in relationship. And I see that happening a lot. And the women within my community really resonate with the anxious conversation. Why do the anxious choose to overstay when they know, hey, there's no charge to this. I just actually know it's not him. Why do we stay longer? I mean, we can talk about fear of being alone and all of these things, but I think what tends to happen with someone who falls more anxious, and this was my experience, was I would take on way too much responsibility for the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so when things weren't fitting and it felt like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, I was very much like, what other work do I need to do? I need to get a new therapist. I need to get a new coach. I need to read another book. I need to work on my reactivity. I need to work on my communication. And like those things were true. Like I did need to work on those things, but Mm -hmm. I would take on the entirety of the emotional labor for the relationship Mm -hmm. and think that if I can only get my shit together, then we would be fine. And of course, I also attracted partners who really validated that and would say like, if you could just stop being a reactive bitch, we would be fine. And I'm like, okay, but we're also missing the point of where like, you almost like back me into a corner And I Mm -hmm. then kind of snap. And that's not like disregarding my responsibility. Like I shouldn't be snapping in the first place, but it's also like there was no responsibility on the other person's end. And so Mm -hmm. when I was in those relationships, I was like, no, 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 I can make it work. I can make it work if I just like fix myself. And that's what's at the core of it. 
put the relationship aside. Someone who's anxious generally has this underlying feeling that I'm broken. I'm not good enough. I'm too much. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. On some level, I am defective. And if I can only fix myself, then my relationship would work. And I'm like, no. And I think this is where I talk about intuition a lot with my clients and they'll say, I'm just not connected to my intuition. I'm like, bullshit. You know exactly what your intuition is telling you. You just don't want to act on that because it's scary Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be responsible for the consequences of that. You don't want to have to face potential regret or having to be responsible for ending a relationship. Like I never Mm -hmm. ended relationships until my previous one. And that was the thing that actually stopped the pattern for me was actually ending that relationship. So huge. I resonate with this to a different degree, but I really hear what you're saying right now. And I love that you mentioned that you were anxious up until six years ago and had never found coaching up until six years ago. We're going to different therapists and always trying to heal. So from your point of like, I want to shift this anxious pattern. What do you feel was the time frame to you moving into? And do you say that you're a secure attachment now? I, I would. I would say I'm secure. And then what tends to happen, right, is that people move into secure attachment. And then under times of extreme stress, they'll kind of shift into default patterns. And so yes. I don't want to sit here and pretend like I'm 100% healed. Like, I'm, I'm Jesus fucking... Christ himself. I'm healed. I've transcended the human experience. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) My partner pisses me off and I'm just chill about it. Yeah, a hundred percent. So like, you know, we've had moments in our relationship where I'd say in previous relationships, I was probably secure 5% of the time. Whereas now I'd say I'm secure 90% of the time. And it's like under times of stress and tension within our relationship, then he might go a little bit more avoidant and I might go a little more anxious right? Or we flip-flop where he'll become a little bit more anxious and I'll go a little bit more avoidant. But it's so rare to what it was. So like, I just know that it can be done because I did the most cooked shit. I'm not even being funny. Like I chased a man through the streets being like, please love me. Like I'm not, I'm not like sitting here saying I grew up with a secure attachment and like, I only had to come a couple inches to get to where I am. Like, no, I had to go like cross country (laughs) for that thing. (laughs) So yeah, it, it was like quite a long time, but if I'm honest, I wasn't really doing the work. I was doing surface level work. I was doing like love and light. I was trying to heal from a very mind perspective. I was taking responsibility for other people's shit, but I wasn't taking responsibility for my shit. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say the past two to three years was when it really started to shift really, really quickly was when I got really honest with myself and was like, how am I actually contributing to these patterns? Oh, okay, cool. That I can clean up because previously, and this is a theme that I see with people who are anxious, what can I do to support him? How can I help him move through his patterns? Well, he's doing Mm. this. And so what can I do to shift that for him? You can't do shit to shift his patterns. That's Mm. the first thing you've got to get good with. You can't do shit about it. All you can Mm. do is look at how you're contributing and start to take responsibility for that and clean that up. Yeah. Powerful. The word that you used describing yourself in the face of past relationships was reactivity. And I'm wondering, did those relationships come with like very heightened states of like, 
love or infatuation or joy or pleasure. And because I really want to have a conversation with you around healthy love and this big thing on the internet of like, if you're in a healthy relationship, then the chemistry won't be there and they're not meant to create this feeling with you. And I just see it online. It's causing so much fucking confusion amongst everyone, including myself. I'm like, every time I see it, I'm like, unfollow, motherfucker. I can't have this shit on my page. (laughs) Yeah, this is such a good point. Okay, so to answer your first question, like, yeah, it was very, um, honestly, so many of those relationships were based around sex. Like we just had incredible sexual chemistry, right? It was like, we couldn't keep our hands off each other. And anytime we'd get into an argument, it was just like solved by us fucking each other and like all the things. And so that butterflies feeling, I do agree with that in the sense of when you first meet someone and it's like, oh my gosh, like he's different than anyone I've ever met. He's probably exactly like everyone you've ever met. (laughs) Like I've never had this feeling before. You've had this feeling so many times. (laughs) And so we can really delude ourselves in that. And so I think that again, it's like that urgency and that charge that like, oh my God, like always picking up your phone. Has he texted me? Oh my God, I can't wait to hear from him. Blah, 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 blah. Like that is pointing to trauma bond. That is giving red flag. Now, when I met my partner, it was definitely like, oh my God, like this feels exciting. I really love being around him. Like when he would text me, I'd be like really happy to hear from him. Cause at the time I was living in the Sunshine Coast and he lived in the Gold Coast, which is about two and a half hour drive. So we would drive to see each other and I'd be driving to the Gold Coast. Like I'm so excited to see him. And we had great sex and all of the things but it didn't feel like, oh my God, oh my God, this is like, this is it. And uh, like, it didn't feel overwhelming. It wasn't taking up every part of my capacity. Like I could still run my business. I was still having friendships. I wasn't like thinking about him every second of the day, but this is where people go really wrong thinking that, okay, well, I've met this guy and he's really, yeah, he's, he's nice. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm like, okay, well, like, was there chemistry? I mean, not really, but but maybe that's a good thing. You know, all my mm-hmm. other relationships have been so charged with chemistry. So maybe this is what it's supposed to feel like. I'm like, no, it's not supposed to feel boring to the point where he texts you and you're like, oh God, I'll respond to that later. <laughs> like you should mm-hmm. still feel excited and happy to hear from the other person, but it doesn't feel all consuming is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And so the chemistry part still exists without the urgency and the intense charge. Like, can you still have Michelle, the mind blowing trauma bonding fucking in a healthy relationship? Does it exist? Tell us it does. It does. It does. And this is the sweet spot that you're looking for. Chemistry with compatibility. Yes. Tell us more of what you mean by that. My one-to-one clients are like, I've met this guy. Like, tell me about him. Oh, he's just, he's so, oh, he's funny. And we just laughed and he just made me feel so at ease and so relaxed. And we just had the best time just talking. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, what kind of things do you have in common? Uh, God, we both like the gym. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's just like, he's what the fuck do you actually have to base a relationship off of? 
Like, Mm -hmm. do you guys both value honesty, integrity, curiosity, growth, devotion? What is it, right? Because people base relationships off similar interests, which Mm -hmm. we both love the gym. We both love to ski. We both love reading. Great. That's great. You need to have similar interests, but similar interests without shared values is a recipe for disaster. Because then once your dopamine and your serotonin and all those feel good honeymoon chemicals wear off six months to two years in, you're then left going, oh, we actually don't have the foundations of a long-standing relationship. We just like to do fun shit together. Mm -hmm. Oops. Yeah. So that's what I would be like. You need to ask the tough questions. And they're not even tough. Just ask questions. <laughs> and how frequently, I know all my listeners are going to be like, this is a question for you, Rebecca Antonucci. I had the most beautiful partner. Compatibility, same values, same likes, so much of the same, but the chemistry. It's almost like our energy neutralized each other. So in the face of another man, I could feel this intense desire and sexuality like oozing through my body. But in the face of him, I'd be like, I love being around you. I feel safe being around you. I want you around me. I enjoy your company. But there wasn't this like, oh my God, I want to fucking rip your clothes off experience within me. And we'd been really working on it for a long time. And I kept reading all of these women's posts in women's forums that are 20 years older than us saying, I married the best man. He's the best father to my children. He's the best provider. He's my best friend. But our intimacy just is not there and I can't live with this anymore. And every time I saw one of those come through my Facebook, I was like, abort mission. Like even if the values and the compatibility and the best friendship is there, if that's not there, can you really cultivate it? Or is it something natural that is just experienced in partnership? I think sexual connection is something that needs to be worked on consistently, right? And so here's what I will say. If you never had sexual chemistry to begin with, you'll never get it. Okay. So if you don't like the way that they smell, I'm not talking about their cologne. I mean like their natural scent, right? If that Mm -hmm. is like off-putting to you, that's like a biological thing. They might not be the best fit for you. And so if you never had sexual chemistry, you'll never get it. If you had sexual chemistry to begin with and then life be lifing and things be got, you know, they became monotonous and day to day and the kids and the cat and the dog and the fucking all that, you can totally work to get sexual chemistry back. Absolutely. 100%. If both people are committed and devoted to actually doing the work to make that happen, it can happen. But if you never had it to begin with, Mm -hmm. it's never going to come. And I know some people would be listening to this being like... (laughs) Why did she just give us the fucking truth pill? Lie to us, bitch. Lie to us. Yeah. Is that something really frequent that you see come as you're working with women in relationships, their desire for intimacy in the face of their male partner not really being fulfilled? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would say I work with more women who are single or in situationships, but the women that I do work with in relationships, it's definitely something. And usually it's like a block or a fear around actually going to deeper levels of intimacy, Mm. right? Or not wanting to share their authentic desire of, hey, I want to try this. I want to experience Mm -hmm. this. And so again, putting those desires, because desires can also go in the shadows, right? And we just Mm -hmm. pretend like, I don't need that. 
right? And every relationship has different sexual needs, right? So there are couples where having sex once a week is actually like really fulfilling for both of them. They don't want to be fucking every day. And then there's people who want to be having sex multiple times a day right? And so it's finding that sweet spot with your partner and really being open and communicating and being willing to try new things. And one of my favorite quotes from Esther Perel is fire needs air, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about relationships, there's such an emphasis on like safety and union and being a really like safe space for each other, which is amazing. But you also need novelty. You need mm -hmm. things to be new and exciting and fresh mm -hmm. and also have your own individual lives and interests and things going on so that the relationship isn't the only thing and you actually have space from each other. Like give yourself a chance to fucking miss him, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. This was a question that I had for you. Do you think it's important that couples have the same relationship values? I know we spoke about individual values, but values in relationship. Do you think that that's important or it can be conflicting? I would say it's very important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, my partner Drew and I, we sat down, I don't know, maybe it was like six to nine months ago and created relationship values, right? Mm -hmm. That it was like, we need to make sure that we're always acting by these values. So we have them written down and it's like respect, right? Are we always treating each other with respect, mm -hmm. devotion, honesty, like all of these things that it's like, hey, remember we said we're doing this? And so I think it is really important that you do share the same values. Like growth is huge for us. Like that mm -hmm. quote, if you're not growing, you're dying. So we are always willing to lean in and have difficult conversations. What's not working? What actually needs to fucking die? in this relationship yeah. in order for us to birth something else in its yeah. place. Like we had a whole relationship funeral. It was a whole thing. Oh, so courageous as well. I can imagine some of my women listening being like, we don't have partners in the personal development world. We don't know what a fucking relationship funeral is. And I don't know if my man would be up to that. I think even Jake would look at me and be like, really, this is the new request. To I will do it because you've asked me of it. But what the fuck, Rebecca Antonucci? And I really yeah. wanted to speak about the deeper intimacy that sometimes we're afraid to go to in relationship. Women will say to me, I am so willing to be intimate outside of relationship and can experience deep intimacy there sexually and or otherwise when meeting men. But it's once they're in the face of relationship, they'll show up as a different woman. Why is that? Oh, this is something that I experienced so much. Like if I were sleeping with someone new, I would be so open, liberated, wild, like not give a fuck about how I was being perceived, my sexual expression, none of that. I just felt like so juicy and open. And then like, I even met this in Drew and I's relationship where it was, this is my future husband. Mm -hmm. And oh, that's terrifying. And so it was like, it feels like there's so much more at risk. And yeah. so oh my gosh, you're actually seeing me, all parts of me. And so you really know me. And the thought of you judging me is terrifying, mm -hmm. right? The thought of you seeing this. And this is also another thing, right? Me opening to a guy I've known for two weeks, if he fucks off, meh, mm -hmm. like, 
that might suck. I might have a bit of a cry, but like I'd probably be over it in a day or two. If this happens with my partner, my husband, my long-term whatever, oh my God, I don't think I'd be able to cope. And that's the fear. It's the deeper emotional intimacy. Like I can't possibly open this wide. I can't possibly open this much because on the other end of that, the closure would be so extreme. I wouldn't be able to handle it. And so it comes down to like almost like a self-trust thing, right? Like how much can I open to you and trust that you've got me and I've got me and we're going to move through this. And what was the biggest piece that allowed you to lean into that and fully open? Couples therapy. (laughs) Honestly. Beck, did I not tell you that I've been doing this work for six years plus all the work that wasn't the work before? Like I've been fucking preparing for this moment and this man my entire fucking life. Legit. Like honestly, having conversations and just uh, like meeting myself where I was at as well. Meeting myself in the fear, meeting myself in the closure, not making myself wrong for the closure of like, yeah. oh, okay, like this actually feels really scary. Like, what is it that I need? What What is it that I need from myself? What is it that I need from him? Do I need mm-hmm. some reassurance right now? Do I need mm-hmm. to actually be emotional? And we've talked about different desires and we've explored like kink parties and like different things and just being with each other on that journey. And we're still moving through it. We're still like, it's like every time we think we've opened as much as we possibly can, it's like, oh, there's a new level. Like, oh, there's a new fucking layer. Oh, here another piece to meet. So it's just an ever evolving thing. And I'm always like surprised. Oh my gosh, like there's so much more to open. At what point does it stop? And I'm like, will it ever? Like, I don't know. Will it ever? No. You said that one of the things that the relationship needs is variety, right? Yeah. I'm like, what kinky shit are we going to get up to when we're like 50? Imagine us all as grandparents sitting around with our grandkids at the table. We'll be like the dirty grandparents and the kids will be like, are you serious? Really? My grandma's (laughs) fucking wild. I think about that and it's like, oh my God, like my kids and my grandkids will have access to all these podcast episodes. How interesting. Grandma Beck, Grandma Michelle, how did you start your business? Well, we did this Facebook Live to our audience talking about the herpes virus where we revealed and shed our shame and they'll be like, what? Yep. (laughs) Grandma's a legend. Michelle, I have loved having you on today. If you were to offer just like one major piece of advice for any woman who is currently navigating her own anxious attachment style and desiring to really move through it in a maybe more graceful way, what would you say to her? Be really honest with yourself. Yeah. Be really honest with yourself and just be objective. Like look at it with neutrality as much as you possibly can. And so there's going to be pieces that you look at and you go, Oh, I really don't like that I did that or that I said that or that I made that move or didn't make that move. There's going to be pieces that you see that you don't like, aren't comfortable with. Cool. Get comfortable with it. There's also going to be pieces where you're giving back responsibility to other people's stuff and you need to be honest about what's yours and what isn't. And so I think that's the biggest thing and be supported. There's no fucking way I would be where I am if I did not have coaches, therapists, mentors, people Mm -hmm. to actually guide me and model secure attachment for me. My relationships Mm -hmm. with my mentors were my first secure relationships. Mm -hmm. And so let it be something that models to you of someone not doing your dance with you. When you go anxious, they don't go avoidant. When you go avoidant, they don't go anxious. They hold that secure base. So that's what I would say. If that's available to you, like do that. 
Yes, love it. I know this conversation wasn't about the herpes virus, but a lot of women within my community always love to hear a few words of inspo from another woman who tests positive for the virus. I know it's not a big message in the work that you do, but if you were to go back and tell yourself and or any other woman who is navigating her own herpes journey right now, what would you say to her? It means literally nothing about you. Mm -hmm. Like nothing. Like the only thing that I was like, oh, it just means that I'm sexually active. Okay, cool. Yes. Yes. And so when we can just really dissolve that shame, because it's really, what am I making this mean about myself? Right. I'm dirty. I'm disgusting. No one will ever want me. It's like, can you just go through all those stories and just dissolve them? Okay. Well, I don't know. Michelle's in a relationship with a man who knows about it, who wants to marry her. He doesn't care. Beck's having the time of her life. Like she has a thriving sex life, a thriving relationship life. Okay. There's evidence of people having like thriving relationships and sex lives. It doesn't mean anything about you. Love it. And when you disclosed to Drew, what was his response? Okay, cool. (laughs) Michelle had me on her podcast recently. And when he told me that, I was like, women just need to hear that the emotionally intelligent embodied man, it's not like a oh, I'll accept you. Some of my clients at the moment, like, it feels desperate. Like I'm waiting for his approval or something. I'm like, no, there are men that are like, thanks, Michelle, for letting me know. All good. Let's move on with what's actually important. Literally. Like he didn't ask this, but I was just like, oh, like this was when my last outbreak was just giving you the information. He was like, okay, sweet. Just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me know if you have an outbreak. (laughs) <laughs> just like it was like I had just told him like oh I just dyed my hair blonde he's like okay love it I fucking love Drew he's the best shout out to Drew we love him <laughs> Michelle I have loved having you on the show today if anyone from my world wants to get all up into yours where do we find you so I'm always on Instagram at Michelle Panning that's like probably the best place to connect with me um, but also my podcast so come listen to my podcast it's called unfuck your relationships and we've got like 130 plus episodes for you to listen to for you to binge I've done so many on anxious and avoidant attachments so you can listen there and then I've got a shitload of programs if you were like oh my god how do I learn about shadow work in relationships? Then the connected woman is the place to be. It's my signature program. So you can come check that out and do all the things. Come play in my world. Let's go. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us today. You are the greatest. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.